What up, world? Welcome to the first episode of Architects, where we speak to the architects of art, the individuals shaping the culture of our past, present, and future, and changing the way we think and feel about everything around us. Today's architect is someone really special to X and I, and exactly why we wanted to start this series. It's crazy how we all came up at the same time, but never got the chance to sit down and have a real conversation. What might have started with humble beginnings, being struck by Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, led to a meeting with Gus Van Sant that sent him on a path to create some of the most iconic videos of the last 20 years. He's quite simply a legend. If you don't recognize his name right away, you definitely know his work and his influence. He's an award-winning visionary director known for working with Missy Elliott, Kendrick Lamar, Drake, Pink, Ariana Grande, Travis Scott, and many, many others, illustrating his unique ability to evolve right along with his game-changing collaborators. He has worked with current superstars at every single level of their careers, from artists at their very beginnings like Lil Wayne and Kelly Clarkson, to artists on the brink of global breakthroughs like J-Lo, to those aiming for career-changing reinventions like Gwen Stefani of No Doubt. So let's get into it. Pull up, relax, and open your minds, and welcome the legend and myth himself, Dave Myers. So Dave, off the hop, man, like, how you doing? How you feeling? I know we're in the crazy world of COVID, uh, post-Trump. Like, how you feeling? How you, how you maintaining right now in this, this new world that we're living in? I'm good. I mean, you know, I, I feel the pain of the world. You know, I see it. It sucks to, you know, for the kids. You know, my kids are always stuck at home. But, you know, I mean, as far as uh, comparisons to, to some of the stuff that's going on, I, I'm counting my blessings. You know, I've been able to work, been able to do videos and commercials and just keep staying creative and keeping my head right. So, but, you know, certainly hope, uh, you know, it's been a lot, a little bit of air breathing after Trump left. But it's, <laughs> uh, it's kind of weird. Cause like, you know, I mean, as, as creative people, we bury our heads in the sand and create. Right. So like, uh, it was an interesting era because like, it's the first time, like sort of the, uh, you know, like, especially when you're in the house, like all you see is the TV. It was really interesting getting into what we do is perception and reality. It's like the perception was the world was on fire. Right. And to some degree it was, but then like you, you know, you sit and you, you switch the channel over to, you know, whatever Hulu or HBO Max, you know, like, and you can get lost and, you know, eat your food and, and be like, fine. So it's, you know, feel blessed in that way. No, I feel you on that. And it's so funny. I've been talking to my, my industry folks about how blessed we are to be in a position to continue creating. And it's, it's a funny thing where you think of it like our work is considered essential, but it is also an escape for folks dealing with their harsh reality. And I'm truly, truly blessed to be in this arena to give folks an escapism and just a way just to kind of forget about their hard day and just kind of escape with the work that we create. So it, it is a true blessing. Now, I was reading your bio and and uh, to find out that you're, you know, you were born and raised in Berkeley, California, and your love for film came from going to the, you know, going to the local cinema. And I'm just curious, like, what are some of the films growing up did you watch that made you like, wow, opened up your third eye, inspired you to get into this, this realm that we're in today? Yeah, so, well, it's, I mean, I guess the story started when I was, uh, a lot of people's probably story, but like, I was like four or five years old when I saw Star Wars and the emotional experience of waiting two hours around, you know, I, I still know the theater, like it's just a vivid memory. And then when the credits rolled, I started crying and my parents had to drag me out the theater. And so it's like having a 
So that was sort of like the birth of being able to escape and what, whatever movies are and provide to people. I think I experienced vividly with that uh, and the imagination of that. And then a few years later, my, my mom, I guess, knowing that I had this sort of relationship with with movies and stuff, uh, became a movie reviewer. And uh, so we got access to, you know, I was sure for love some sort of parents magazine, lo- local Berkeley paper. And um, we'd, we'd go see movies before they came out, which was a really big thing uh, when you're not from Hollywood. Um, and, and so uh, as and one of the movies was Raiders of the Lost Ark. And um, when I went to see that, I, I was older now. And, um, and you saw a VIP style? Um, you know, that one, I think we saw opening day because it was we saw Return of the Jedi VIP style. But, um, <laughs> uh, nice. but, but Raiders, she still reviewed Raiders, which uh, would, the, the, the irony here was that because I loved and Raiders is kind of my biggest, most, you know, that's the top of the list. Although the last five or six years, the whole game has changed. So, like, I, you know, it's like it, it definitely is being challenged. But but, uh, you know, the first 20 years of my life, Raiders was sort of. Uh, the the tent pole, pre digital. Um, your pre digital favorite. Yeah, exactly. And then I think what it, what what happened was my mom gave it a good review to the parents because of how much moved I was, and she got fired. <laughs> oh <laughs> wow. no! Birth of uh, PG thirteen. You know, like what, there was next Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. They actually had the PG thirteen, but right, like, it was riding. I guess you know a lot of other parents weren't happy about all the violence and weird, weird stuff that was in that movie. But, but for me, it was a game changer. So, you know, that, that was, I was mature enough to understand. I think that was fourth or fifth grade. And I was, uh, I could understand what a filmmaker was at that point. And, um, and I just started asking questions, learning and studying and, you know, in high school, uh, you know, way long before the iPhone era, you know, um, (laughs) there was a a video camera that I had wanted that was a little out of the price range of the family. Um, but my parents, uh, you know, because of the journey up to that point, they invested in it. And I, I made a music video. Oh, I made lots of music videos in high school uh, with my friends. Um, and and I, I interned at a cable station where I got editing equipment. And I, I created, a, a ironically, the first video that actually got me a, a professional job five years later. <laughs> but uh, wow. it, was, it was to Slick Rick's uh, children's story. I created a little... Uh, uh, like like a, just with my friends, you know, like a video uh, set. But to you that were spot. able to cut like lips moving to the music. You could actually do. Yeah, yeah, with three quarter like three quarter machines. You had to cut it linear though. You know, I could only do this shot, then this. Shot, <laughs> you know? And so it was it was difficult, but um, but yeah, I, it became how I spent most of my high school years, and then then got rejected by all the film schools, which I still save those letters. <laughs> Um, and, uh, went to a film school that like at a school that wasn't really a, a, a mix with me. Um, uh, just, it's, it's you know, it was, and it was interesting actually, cause I learned a lot of life lessons there. But did you learn, did you learn film lessons there? Um, I learned a little bit like the film theory classes were fascinating, you know, just, uh, or at least they programmed me right. Like I, at that point I was very much in the, in the pop culture and then they would force me to watch the Citizen Canes and the other things that, that, you know, only now do I really understand sort of well, every year that goes on, you kind of rewatch that stuff. And it's like, Oh man, I, you know, like, 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 you know, it, it really is ahead of its time, you know, in, in a lot of ways. So it, um, we need a, we, we need a mid stride film school for like, <laughs> you've been doing it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, COVID, COVID has been that man. I've been, I just saw, you know, you run out of streaming things. So I've watched so much stuff that I'm like, there's some classics out there that really, um, 
shake you shake you a bit but you need to you need to you need to see them now that you've been in a couple of fights you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah. really appreciate how blows are laid yeah i think i think it's so i think and it's like it's weird like it's uh and i think that just keeps going i mean it's probably what you were speaking to at the start about like you know living through the generations of 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 expressions you sort of you know and and fights as you say you know like i feel like you get enlightenment and you can kind of see the way through the the fabric of of you know what we do and make new shit <laughs> so that's dope man um and talk about you talk about legends we're talking about classics now you met with one of your legends uh gus van sant and how was that whole experience and how did he influence you to do music videos i'm curious to know about that whole uh meet and that whole experience so you know when you're 20 you're quite impressionable especially if you meet somebody you know like i don't know x what it was for you but for me um especially in college like when i went to college so i was i was the guy that did video in high school because i was doing all the videos and my friends were all in it then i went to college and I met, you know, 300 people that were just like me that it's, you know, and some had already made films, some had, you know, so you, 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 you get, you get shook, not shook, but you get, you know, you start sweating a little bit and realize this is a real competition. Um, and then, and, you know, I, so I, I snuck into movies during college and all that stuff and, and eventually bumped into Gus Van Sant and, uh, and because it had one of those screenings, like he was screening to die for and, and my friend that I was with recognized him because they were from Portland together. And um, and he took a meeting. So you got somebody who's actually making dollars and getting credibility that is agreeing, a real filmmaker agreeing to talk to us who were like, you, there's an illegitimacy you feel when you don't when you don't actually get paid to direct, when you, you just say you're a director um, or I want to direct. You start to, you know, you feel uh, stressed about that. So, you know, here I am sitting in front of Cus, first filmmaker to ever like take a moment to talk to me. And, uh, you know, first question, like, how do I get signed? How do I get a script out? Of, you know, <laughs> how do I get an agent? How do I, you know, you just, it's one of those meetings and, and he's, you know, I don't know why he took the meeting, but, um, but he, he was taking pictures of me and my friend while we're talking. I just wanted the information. So he gave me his agent's number and then he said, you should do music videos. And so uh, ironically at the time, even though I had done videos in high school, I had a sort of a little chip on my shoulder, not chip, maybe that's the wrong word, but I had a, uh, I felt like videos were superficial. You, um, you believed what they told you. What, what videos told me, or what? yeah, the, what, the, what the, oh. the the film world tells you that it's not it's music videos. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Eh. Yeah, it doesn't have the cachet. It, but well, it's not even. It, it honestly, the expression of it felt a little thin. Like I didn't relate mm. to them, uh, and it felt like the 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 value system of the were were. were on the thinner side, and that didn't relate. You know, I was writing scripts in college, and I just I was aiming for the stars. And so Gus said that I went home and I turned on the TV and, and, and it happened to be that Gary Gray's work was on. And, um, and it, I think it was TLC waterfalls at that time. And he had a Dre video, like, uh, murder was the case or, uh, yeah, yeah. Or, um, yeah. natural born killers, natural born killers. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was the era. Right. So I turned on the TV and I wasn't really an MTV kid, but I turned it on and that's what I see. And I really, really hadn't, I hadn't liked Raiders or whatever. Like I had an emotional response. TLC, Made me really, uh, you know, uh, was just really heart heart. It just it, it touched me, you know. Classic, and, and, yeah. and then, um, and then, uh, you know, Natural Born Killers was like, oh wow, there's like an action film, or <laughs> you know, it was like a full blown <laughs> movie in the context of a video. And so I was really, 
I was, I, w- I was humbled by that and realized that, the, you know, that may- maybe I should do this. Maybe I should listen to Gus, you know. Gus happened to have a video at the on the time for Hanson, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I, I wasn't necessarily as motivated by that. But 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 that was why he gave me that advice because he was moonlighting as video director. So I went off and did a spec video. It took about another year, and then I put together like a chintzy reel that went to uh, uh, Paul Stewart, uh, who at the time had a it was Loud Records, or well, he had a deal with Loud Records, and ironically. Uh, he, he he had three or four videos he made um, during the time that he had his record deal. I mean, maybe more, but the, the I just remember that the era, like he was like, I'm going to give you a video and I'm going to give Darren Grant a video and I'm going to give Paul Hunter a video. All three of y'all going to be somebody. And, wow. and, wow. and, uh, <laughs> and it's just so funny because like, you know, I didn't know those guys back then, but it was like he did actually give us videos. And, and, and you know, so they were my my original peers. Um from there, I uh, I got you know I so it was just a struggle for a year or two of doing you know various videos that you know you chop your teeth or not cut your teeth on. Um, those early years, those early, early years. years. Yeah, when uh, I don't know if you guys had it in Canada, but we had um, we had something called the box. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, so, did, we didn't have it, but we, we didn't have the box. box, but we know the oh, box. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, here you still feel illegitimate. Like I go home and my sister's friends are like, "When are you gonna work with Puffy?" You know, because I was like, uh, I was working with Sea Murder and and like Soldier Slim and like a lot of No Limit guys and and uh, and uh, at the same my, my on the rock side I was working with some some rock stars that 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 no, no I'm not stars rock rock names um, so there was still a cloud of illegitimacy even though I was getting paid as a director um, and uh, and then I uh, stumbled into um, you know the, the No Limit stuff sort of naturally evolved into the Cash Money stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, and then, um, and then my rock stuff, uh, well, my very, you know, forgettable rock stuff, uh, built a loyalty with the label where they gave me Kid Rock, his first record. Crazy. Or, or, or his, or his, his breakout record. Um, so, and it was those, t- it was Lil Wayne and Kid Rock dropped at the same time. And it's kind of that, that kind of changed the game. And then, then sort of like the birth of kind of what I was, you know, where I've been able to go started there in my mind. That's amazing because that was actually going to be my next question, which you just touched upon about the the golden era of music videos where there was like this whole kind of this new energy, new artist, new explosion from everybody from, you know, Cash Money, No Limit, and then, of course, going into Rockefeller, Dungeon Family, and so on and so forth, which is a whole different era, again, as we were talking about in Rough Riders, uh, which was a whole different time and era. And... Funny enough, it's it's you see Master P now, and 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 Cats had no idea how influential these these guys were. They were the business. They were they were everything, right? And they were truly the blueprint as far as just being independent artists, creating this amazing movement, which is still standing to this day. Cash Money, of course, was a success of New Money, uh, sorry, Young Money with Drake and Nicki Minaj and so on and so forth. It just goes to show the the levels of of staying power and understanding how the culture evolves and how to adapt, and I guess my question is, working in that era, which was a whole different time and age, can you speak to some of your experiences and things that, that really stuck out to you? Like working with like the, the Rockefellers, working with the Dungeon Families, with Outkast, like things that really kind of stuck with you to help continue building your craft in the game. Because the original Dave Myers run is a serious run. That, that oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> all that work you did, the 2000s, like yeah. the Rockefeller, you were firmly in that camp. You were, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. You you were really rocking and rolling, man. It was just such a different time. I mean, it's 
very difficult to summarize, but, but I mean, uh, so, well, I got introduced to Jay-Z right after Lil Wayne's, I guess he was, he recognized Lil Wayne's talent and was like, let me fuck with that dude. And so I get the phone call to go to New York. First time really, I mean, I've been in New York with my parents like 10 years earlier, but, but, but not really the way I went to New York working on a Jay-Z video. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, you know, it was just fascinating seeing, uh, just that the time, like you said, like the way you get, we got like 300 extras for free. Like we were auditioning freebie extras, <laughs> you know, like it was just a different time, you know, New York had such a bubble of, 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 of culture around, around th- those, those videos. And, and I actually ended up staying in New York a month at that time. And just everything you said, like I, I did Jay-Z, then I did, then I did Eve for, with the Rough Rider camp and met Swiss Beats and all them. And, and just, uh, and I did JD and DeBrat in New York all in one month. It was very game changing emotionally to, to just be swept into to that, uh, that rhythm. And then, and then, uh, and then, you know, yeah, it was, it was just, it was just, it was, it just kind of kept evolving. I think emotionally for me, it was, uh, as far as what it felt like, uh, you know, my relationship with that era and, you know, and if I, it was that, um, I generally didn't like, I was trying to do F Gary Gray work. You know what I mean? I was trying to push people to places that, you know, there's quite a lot of artists that were very fine with a club video or a performance on a stage or, or, uh, and, and not that I ever said no to doing those videos, but I was always finding myself trying to push it. Like, how do I make it something, how do I, how do I make it stand out for, 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 for me? And I think that that push probably registered as I cared a lot about the stuff. And so the, I built relationships, um, with certain artists that I guess appreciated that, but the real celebration of that era for me was uh, Pink and Missy, um, you know, where, and, and I guess they stand out the most because, you know, Missy, it was like she played in the same sandbox. Like, I don't know, you know, we have different histories as far as how we got there. Right. But just, uh, she just, when I first met her, she took me to see Crouching Tiger and I wanted to go see that movie. And she wanted what? to go see that movie. Yeah, like, like literally, it was like a really strange thing because most artists barely got on the phone let, let alone read a treatment she she actually invited me to dinner and then said let's go see this movie and so there i'm in a movie having popcorn with missy you know at the time i mean she was this is after a hypes run with her so she was quite a you know like she was a up there um she's a megastar yeah she's a megastar and and literally in in in, in hip-hop uh you know I, you know busta and her were pretty much for me the ones that were really trying to game change now, now I feel like everybody has, you know, and and Outcast. I mean, shortly behind, you got Outcast and all, you know, a lot of people making event videos. But but I feel like Missy and Busta were sort of the, at least in my journey, were the first ones that sort of were willing to hear. Busta, I never, you know, Busta and Hype, I think, sort of have a long term. Uh, Busta got tired of that shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, hey, Busta, so I'm going to paint you. He's like, listen, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> I ain't trying to get painted. I ain't trying to do all that no more, bro. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, won- I wondered, but yeah, no, I never, um, I never got to do my a Busta video. Almost uh, like maybe five years ago, me and Busta almost did one, but um, didn't work out. Uh, but I, I think those Missy days is when we really get to get a glimpse. Now seeing where you've grown. Yeah, that's true. Yes, you that's know, the seeds. That definitely. You're always you're always painting somebody, putting someone in a wall. Put <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm You're always doing some wild shit, and Missy really let you run. Yeah, with well, all Missy, that stuff. Yeah, Missy was an interesting boss in that way because she would. It was like, it wasn't, it was I say this lightheartedly, but it, it was like a threat, you know? It was like, if I don't, I mean, not a real threat, but it was just sort of like, Dave, better, 
You better come with them hot shit or don't call. You know, <laughs> you know I, would, I would stay up at night and just be like, what's the craziest stuff? And, and, and so I don't know, uh, X for you, how it is, but sometimes as, especially as you're building a relationship, you're not sure how far the artist will go. And so you want to push, but if you push so far, they might just move on. And, um, and so, you know, with Missy, I wasn't really sure. Uh, cause she, you know, sometimes they don't articulate what they want. They just know how to t- articulate what they don't want. Um, yeah. So that, again, like you said, that was the seeds of where I am now, where now I'll just write a 50 page treatment and, you know, they can X and O what they like. And then I, from that, I can learn how to do the next draft, uh, to really, you know, cater to them. Um, so, you know, I, I, that was the seeds of that. And then pink was the opposite of Missy. She was just in, uh, entirely trusting. So I once gave her direction. I said, Hey, do some stuff like that. And then I go back to the tap, roll camera, and then she does. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, it's what you told me to do. I was like, yeah, but I'm corny. You're cool. Like, <laughs> you know, like you can't do just me. Um, and, and so that's when I realized, you know, that not, not all, you know, like it's one thing telling Jay how to, to, to do something. And he then runs it through the Jay filter and it looks cool. Um, but, but pink actually reflected what I was, how I was directing. And so I, I became a better director realizing that, that I mumble and that I, you know, that I had traits that were not articulating correctly. And, 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 and with pink, um, just a, she was a disruptor too, in her own right, you know, and, and had a middle finger in the air in a way that, that, uh, that, you know, worked for her genre. And, and so, yeah, I, I, yeah, but I mean, there were so many more videos in that era. I, you know, uh, the, the way I got received, I mean, the whole way into the Jeff jam camp came from a method man, red band video where, and those guys let me do my thing. Um, you know, like there's, there's diff, different, you know, outcast bombs over Baghdad was a full circle moment for me because, uh, I was supposed to do Miss Jackson in LA. It was a two video thing at the company I was at. Gary Gray was set to do bombs over Baghdad and Miss Jackson was, you know, and that was the big million dollar opening video. Uh, and then there was like a $400,000 Miss Jackson video that I was going to do right on the coattails. Uh, cause that was the ceiling I was getting at the time, four to 500. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's hard to crack into the million dollar club, you know, or whatever it was. But so then I get a phone call. They're like, so Gary's going to do Miss Jackson. And I was like, oh, and he's like, but and I was like, yes, like um, we, we he doesn't Gary doesn't want to fly to Atlanta. And I guess Outcast had a superstition that their first single had to be Atlanta based. And they said, so the, the job's already booked at a million dollars. It's and here's Gary's treatment. Go do it. Oh, wow. So, and I get on a plane, go down, meet Andre and Andre. I told him, I said, here's what we're doing. He's like, no, that, that that's not what I want to do. And so me and Andre worked out, you know, the treatment, um, which for me personally, uh, you know, and, and no, yeah, I guess with the context that I'm always trying to push, right. I get my first million dollar video. I'm always trying to push stuff. And Andre sits me down and says, I want to wake up in the projects. I want to, I want to get in the, some low rider, you know, some bouncing cars and, and, and whatnot. And I want to go to the club. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's the most straightforward storyline ever for my first million dollar video. I was like, I want to do some crazy, you know, you got hype doing Missy in space. You got like, I mean, I don't know, you know, you got, you know, anyways, I just, I was just like, I, I thought I had hit the stratosphere. So the end result of Bombs Over Baghdad was, was, a, was a learning thing for me, but it was also, that's why the streets are green and the grass is purple and, and why I had so much, I, I packed it full of so much stuff I could around the edges of, of what that through line was. And I, 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 want, I expanded it from, you know, two day shoots were quite common. I got a four day shoot out of a million bucks at the time. 
And so I got so much footage that could keep up with the RPM of that song. And then I sort of, I remember Big Boy, when I showed it to the final, he was just like, oh yeah, man, they're not ready for this. <laughs> I didn't know what he meant. I was so scared that I screwed up a million dollar video. And then like Outkast was like, you know, Outkast was playing on the radio when I was high school. Like, you know, they were, they were, uh, they were like Bay Area was, a, uh, you know, was, was very curated in, in who they thought was cool. And, uh, and so to, to actually break into Outkast's camp was, was, was something I had been wanting to do for years. So it, it was just long story short. It was a, it was a great experience. And, but you really, break, you really break it down. It's that with hip hop artists, it's what you can do around the edges. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, you, you, they, they know what they like I said, they got a cool filter. They're not stepping out of that and they shouldn't, it's, it's a risky, it's a risky yeah. thing to step yeah. out of their, out of their zone. But if you can, if you can set the stage for them, yeah, you know what I mean? Like if you can make the visual, so long as they're themselves, but everything around them is something new and exciting or graphic or some, some kind of visual that makes the people go, Oh, what? Oh, that's okay. Never. That's interesting. That's what's up with this. Yeah, then, yeah. It, it puts them, it puts them at another level. Cause especially back then your music video said the type of level you're at, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, did it feel like money? Did the film look good? Was the concept big? Was it, and then there's just kind of like, you're just throwing money and doing stuff. And then there is this art level where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it just felt like those, those, those artists that could go to, they might not do it every time. Outkast did it a lot. Missy did it all the time. But when they could touch that art level, it just gave them more. They meant, it just said subconsciously, I'm a big artist. Yeah. I'm a real deal artist in this. Yeah, thing. but to, to your point, X, like, if you think about it, the biggest artist, pop artist, period, it's those artists that knew how to tap into um, the music video amplification of their brand, right? If you think about from Michael Jackson, Missy, Madonna, Janet Jackson, right? Like these artists, if you think about their, their star power, yes, they had great records, big hit records, but they also had big videos that helped sell the overall experience of who they are as the artist. And, and at the time when you were doing those videos, Dave, like this was an introduction that we haven't seen before because prior to what you and X and Paul and Hype did and Gary, uh, F. Gary Gray, uh, Gray did, you know, videos are very hood. They're very one level. It was like one dimensional. So like you guys brought pretty much what Spielberg did for, for cinema with, with Blockbuster, with Jaws and, uh, and, and, and Raiders of the Lost Ark and shit. It's what you guys did with music video. You guys brought the blockbuster experience to the music video experience. And that's what really catapulted their brands, making them like superstars and household names. I like to think so, but I wish the residuals uh, <laughs> existed for that kind Maybe. of impact. <laughs> funny enough, you know what? It's, it's, it's so funny. This was a question I was gonna talk to you about because I know you're a photographer as well. And I know when it comes to photographers, you shoot shit, all right, here's my shit, but like I owe my shit, right? Yeah. And, and when you go into movies, pre-COVID, uh, when you did a film, you would get back end, blah, 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 blah. Now, we all know how music videos, how they really set up a record with sales, because to me, music videos are the biggest marketing tool for all artists. And X and I was talking about this all the time, about it's kind of crazy at the fact that here it is, like yourself and the X's of the world and the, and the directors who are killing it, doing great videos that's really catapulting to directors, don't get a piece of the pie in terms of when these videos cross over hundreds and hundreds of millions of views, billions of views. What's your thoughts on that? I, you know, 
I I don't even know where to begin on it. I think it goes to what X said earlier that you're uh, that, that unfortunately videos in the culture of filmmaking are not looked at as highbrow art. Um, in the culture of fans and and music uh, reception, we know as directors of videos that that the impact that it has on the long term brand of that artist. Um, and record labels, I think, argue against that, and that's why we get fluctuating budget journeys. And record labels have their point, which, you know, uh, to really properly answer my thoughts, I would love to debate it with someone who has understood the, the, the finances. But, um, and there's eras to that. There's the era prior to YouTube where it truly was marketing. They sent it to MTV, and, and MTV didn't pay them anything. They were blessed to get it on MTV or BET or wherever it played, it was like, that was a hustle. Like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to invest in this marketing material. Will you play it? And they had some sort of backroom deal with those outlets, you know, with YouTube, it's the fans are deciding what they want to watch. And, um, and, and YouTube is paying back for especially the, you know, like I I remember Katy Perry, um, I had done firework with her, but then I more recently did a video. And when I was prepping that video, they were like, the budget got to an astronomical level. And I said, is this okay? Well, I didn't say, is it okay? I just said, this is what it's coming out at. And they're like, it's okay because her videos are in the black, uh, meaning that they're profitable. And so even with million dollar plus videos, she's making the money back, um, which- Just on the video itself. Just on the video, yeah. Wow. The diplomatic sort of thing is there should be a conversation. There should be some sort of acknowledgement of what we do in in a business form. Um, but the, the, the problem is the quantification of what we do. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's the music business, bro. They don't even pay the art. Like they don't pay yeah. the artist. If you didn't write oh, that record, yeah. you don't get it. You, you know what I'm saying? You got the number one record on the planet, but you didn't write it and you didn't produce it. You don't get a penny of the radio play. Yeah, and that's for the person singing or rapping. You know, like you know, like when they show movies nowadays about artists in the '60s and the '50s that got screwed. <laughs> yeah, you know, or even like uh, Ma Rainey kind of depicted that a little bit. It's like I feel like 20 years, 30 years from now, when like the next generation of video folks are getting celebrated, <laughs> it's <laughs> like it's gonna be like, wait, you guys did wait. what? And what? No way! <laughs> you're, you're gonna have your heroin, in, uh, heroin junkie down <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. low point. <laughs> With the, the, irony, <laughs> the irony for where I'm at currently is I actually don't use the videos for any sort of financial gain anymore. Um, and I, I, I sort of use them as an artistic outlet, which is more of a personal choice. So I make very little money on them, even if I even if they think I get a director's fee. Like I, I got like, for instance, I did. I think I got zero for Humble. Um, not that, you know, in Kendrick's mind, there was a director's fee. You know, so it's not like I'm being exploited by the artist. You know, they they think they're paying me. They they see the overall number, but then when it comes down to like the robot cam or the, the all the things that I want to do as an artist, I'm like, well, the label's not like, oh yeah, of course we get it. Go ahead, we'll pay for it. You know, instead it's like it's on my shoulders to deliver heat. And and I guess early days is one thing, but now the heat that I'm trying to deliver is for myself. I'm on a personal journey of really trying to play with the medium and and do what the best that I can do at least for the moment have been in an area where the artists for the most part, there's a couple of hiccups that I won't talk about now, but I'm sure X can have the same. Uh, <laughs> um, but for the most part, the artists are coming to me to do what it is that I do. Um, and that is a complete seismic shift from where we began. 
Um, you know, it was not like that in those early days. It was all about conformity, even in hip hop. You know, it was sort of like about wanting, like, like X said, it was about how glossy, you know, like they wanted a look, you know, and I wanted a concept. <laughs> and, right. and so um, I developed a look out of that, out of a need to survive. But I've always been the one who wants like, you know, um, in fact, there was a video I did last year with Harry Styles called Adore You. And it was like a seven minute film about Harry uh, friendship with a fish, suicidal. And they end up like, you know, I mean, it was just like I, I had that idea. I first pitched that, I think, to the Black Eyed Peas 15 years ago and then to Katy Perry, I think, 12 years ago. And then I just kind of parked it. I'm like, I guess this is just my movie side coming out. I'll just not do it. And then Harry came along and I'm like, I have this idea, but you like liking a fish <laughs> and uh, he's like, I love it. And, and I was like, really? And so it was just, um, I just, that, it's just been a nice time, you know, where artists are my, my way that I like to phrase it is, and, and X tell me if, if you're experiencing this too, but, but it's like the pressure change for them. Now they must, they have to stand out as their own thing, you know, they, and, and with every record, not just even with like, you know, once, like you got to come with something new every time or it's not an event like culture doesn't move. And, and so doesn't mean that every time we come, we're coming and moving culture. But but the intention is there, you know, like yeah. movie, like movies fail, but they all start with like you go for it. Yeah, they go for it or should, you know. Well, I think I think artists are a little more there's a little more art mind going on, you know, especially if you look at what's going on in black music. They all they're all not everybody. But definitely the Beyonce's and the there's this range of art photographically, content-wise, even what's going on that everyone's pushing for art, um, and you see it. There's just a little bit, a little bit of an uh, open mind depending on who you come come across, and also you know you're you, so they're a little more inclined to trust the crazy fish idea. Yeah, from Dave Myers versus you know <laughs> yeah. some like some some up and coming director and and this. Since we're, you know, we're speaking about art, let's let's go back to humble because everyone knows like that's personally one of my it's in my one of my favorite videos of all times list, which is a whole extensive list. But humble most definitely it broke the internet. It's it snapped. It it turned the game upside down. People were like losing their fucking minds, and you you name it. Like it was the cooler it was a cooler conversation at the corporate job. You had directors like holy fuck. Like they really, really like, you know, did it again, but on a whole other level. And I guess my question just off the hop, you know, big shout out to Dave Free and, and KDOT. Like, how did you connect with Dave Free and, and Kendrick and the little homies? How'd that all come about? So the middle chapter, so you, we discussed my early years. Um, I hit a ceiling in videos. Uh, I went to do a movie that was a remake uh, and sort of was uh, like a little bit of a, a downer. What movie was that? I did The Hitcher, Michael Bay produced, um, and and it was like... Um, I remember your cameo in that. You were, uh, oh, you were yeah, like... Uh, was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dave would always slip himself in... What is it? You're like, yeah. you uh, like a yeah, full or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, was, yeah I was the original. I was the one the killer was impersonating that he had offed me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, the... Um, I had, I just learned a lot. So at the time I had the iPod silhouettes. I did the first eight of those. And then at the same time I had the movie drop. And, um, and I, so I was, I was really looking hard to get out of videos. And so I, I sort of went through a good eight or so years or seven or so years being an amazing commercial director 
And then at the end of that seven years, what I, I say amazing, it, it gets to the punchline here um, uh, uh, because I wouldn't classify myself as that. But I, I just, well, basically, I was traveling the world, getting paid a lot of money more than videos and, and getting to experiment in filmmaking uh, only to realize I had become completely invisible to the world. You know, in the combo of my movie not really creating a lot of noise, and, and I knew why it didn't. I, I pitched the movie saying, you can't call it The Hitcher. We got, we got it, we, a killer on the road, no problem. They're like, great, you're hired. And then they released it, calling it The Hitcher. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it was, it was and, and of course, that was what they, exit, you know, they, they, they changed the name overseas, et cetera. Anyway, long story short, getting to Kendrick, um, I, as I had realized that I was invisible, I, there were still a few loyalists calling, um, uh, so, uh, Sierra, uh, had reached out with, uh, uh, and, and, and there was a, a couple of, you know, I, I left the company I was at cause I felt like the energy that I was, I, well, I was, I'm still there for commercials, but I left the video representation there and sought out Jamie who, who has like 80 directors and had this rep, you know, I saw this one lady behind all the companies and I was like, who is she? So I called her and, and she agreed to, to, to take me on and she reintroduced me. Um, and she first introduced me to Interscope and uh, weirdly, uh, yeah, and these are politics I'm sure X has his version of, but the, uh, I had never gotten much work from Interscope during the heyday of my first round. Um, like I, I think, I, you know, I heard rumors there was back end deals going on, payola stuff. Like I, I was like, give me an Eminem video, give me a Dre video. Like, how, like, like why can't, I mean, Dre would show up to the sets of my exhibit video or my Snoop stuff. Like, and so why can't, you know, and I just, every time it came and it never made it past that initial treatment. And so now Jamie comes in and she's friends with Interscope, the new next era. And I get, I get walked right in to do videos that were like 50 grand, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm million dollar video guy that's now willing to do 50 grand videos. Part of the reboot though, is I, I had hooked up with a, uh, my beloved AD was whispering in my ear for a good six or seven years. Like, Hey, yo, let me, you know, we can do, we can do it cheap. We can do it cheap. Come back, come back, do videos with me. So I made in my producer, a guy named Kanoko, and he's just such an endearing personality that I enjoyed. I enjoyed that with him. Shout out to Kanoko. Yeah, Kanoko is it has such an enthusiasm. It's like you know, you know, we, we live in a bubble, all of us in the world, right? So and and but in, as a filmmaker, you you really only see a few people around you, especially if you're like in your computer all day long, just trying to create. Um, so you really rely on the people around you to, emotionally. And so Kanoko was close to me and whispering in my ear and I just, I had built this. And then when we got to go on set and he was the producer, you know, it was just, it was really, it was really satisfying for me. And I really, really enjoyed that. And, um, and so we started making videos again. And so we were able to, he showed me how to do an $80,000 video and, uh, or 50, or, you know, and then, so I'm being long winded, but ultimately part of that era uh, Interscope called with a $10,000 commercial for Kendrick, uh, for the Grammys. Right. And, uh, my rep was like, you should just go do it. <clears throat> and I was like, I just did whatever my rep told me to do, you know, cause I just wanted to, I wanted to be humble about it all, so to speak. No um, pun. <laughs> yeah, no pun. So I did the commercial, which I think broke the ice with him. Cause he's a very, you know, intimate, uh, kind of person. And, um, and Dave free. And then like, uh, and then a year later they, they said, Hey, Kendrick, love you. Come down to the studio. And I came down and he played me uh, Love. And then I, I wrote on Love and then he wanted me to come to the studio again. And Top was there and he was pressuring him like, yo, we got to shoot these videos now, man. Like, who's doing what? You know, and then Kendrick was like, let me play you humble and loyalty. And uh, and so it was like, I, was, I don't know if, you know, 
I always wondered why Kendrick chose me, but then later on, I heard he was a big fan. He grew up on Missy videos and he wanted to have in his journey, wanted to have the guy that did a Missy video do one. Like for him, it was a statement of, 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 of that he was making it. Um, uh, but you'd have to ask Kendrick directly, but that, that was sort of through interviews and stuff. I pieced that together. For me, it was like a, uh, strange because I default to my Missy side when I was doing humble, I was like, let me just put in the craziest visuals I can and see if he'll go for it. And, uh, and I did, had no idea that that was going to hit the way it did. I was much more worried about just making sure he liked it, you wow. know, because of the way his personality is very quiet and poised and, 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 and. And and he, uh, un, unlike a lot of hip hop artists, he he was he was he was down to do anything. He showed up early to set. The the, the hip hop stereotype didn't really didn't forecast how he was treating the process. Um, and Dave Free was like uh, having a, a like somebody from my side of the world who was studied about film and like and, you know so it, it was like interesting to have a very. If I explained the filmmaking th- idea to Dave, Dave was like, oh, yeah, that, you know, and he would understand. He'd understand lenses. He understand, you know, like, he, you know, maybe younger, like I got 20 years on on having done it with him, but he was a student just like I was. Right. And, and so it was the combo of, of Kendrick being willing to do anything and Dave sort of having this appetite for film that, that built the permission slip to do Humble. The actual visuals in Humble were really just, um, that's why it was an odd experience for me because it was kind of the same old Dave to me. I was just doing the stuff that I do. But when you put that moment that Kendrick was in with, with me being gone for a while from doing what I do, and then that song and just, I, I don't know, it was, it was just, it was, it was like a lucky, you know, it was like hotline bling, I guess. I, was, I would imagine. Yeah, it, would, it, it, it was a moment. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't predict it. The, the universe aligns those things. Not at all. Yeah. So it was, um, it made everything much more stressful afterwards. <laughs> uh, and he calls with loyalty, he calls with all the stars and, and, and the pressure to just re- not even recreate. That wasn't really what was going through the head. It was just sort of like just execution. Yeah. Like how do I, what did I tap into? What, you know, and then, and, and then to be humble enough to know that some videos are going to go like that and others won't. Right. You know, and, um, and I just started to re- take that stress off of me and say, you know, what's actually opened up thanks to Kendrick is all artists because of the impact that he had. And I was for the moment that, you know, a guy that was associated with him, um, all artists just rolled out the carpet and said, what, what do you got? We want some of that, you know? And, and so I took advantage of that. And, and in the various categories of artists that called, I just went crazy. But you've kicked in the door now. So you, you're, you have a visual style that's, that's yeah. unique. You're always, your digital stuff is crazy. Like you're, they're letting you do your big imagination stuff. Yeah, which, but at a level that I didn't even know was, I mean, I mean, I, I guess I always thought it was in me, but I never got to do it. Uh, you know, actually, tell me if you've had this moment, but like, I've always like, you know, you go to Hollywood meetings, you're like, you know, what, why won't you give me Star Wars? Why won't you like, like, come on, like, I'm the guy, like, I'm gonna flip this stuff. My videos, I like, I break it down, like, my vi- a million dollar video is like a $200 million film. Like, 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 I'm, I'm, I got the vocabulary. And so like many, many movies, like, I mean, a hundred, hundred movies plus that I've been in the room on that never manifested. And so I, part of that journey was, well, how do they see me? So I built a website, not for the fans or not for anybody else. You know, it, it has a double, it, it exists for that, but I built a website where I could go to it every day and look at myself. And, and I, 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 I first went through the ADD thing. I said, people don't give a shit about me the way I do. So only 10, 10 pieces of work. Uh, and that's it. Even if I've done hundreds of stuff, like what are the, what are the 10 greatest Dave moments? And then I looked at that 
And I was like, I don't like that. That's what I look like, <laughs> um, you know. And and so I, I just now now I'm just sort of got it ingrained in my head that if I can't take a swing, I shouldn't do it, you know. And a swing doesn't always have to be a big event. Um, when I did Billie Eilish, it was a really really inexpensive video, but I just wanted to I wanted to try that. I wanted to be, you know when I did sneakerheads when you when I met you, ex, like I was trying to do something that was like that. The whole sneakerhead show. Uh, was cheaper than my Taylor video, <laughs> you know. So right. it, was, it was just it was just an exercise of trying to be diverse, and uh... yeah, it's 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 frustrating. Like you said, there's two things that that I, I think about from what you're saying. Like one, the disappearance that happens. The, the, the treatise is a lesser form of filmmaking, but yeah, no one's no one's touched the culture the way you have with humble. No one's touched the culture like Hotline Blink, like these big moments. Where, when's the last time a movie hit like that? You know what I mean? Like these, these are like very few. Exactly, <laughs> very few directors have that can can actually that someone's actually recognizing what they're because up to got, or what's going you on. You got to understand though the ignorance of a lot of these studio executives. Remember, like they put their nose up to music videos, like oh, you guys know how to make shit look pretty, but do you know how to tell a story? But if they pay attention to certain videos that both of you guys have actually directed. There are narrative, heavy narrative type stories in there. And and then and, and then for you, Dave, like which is leading me to my next question as far as how you incorporate your really awesome technical um techniques to your work. Like for instance, I you, of course I you know, I lost my shit when I saw in, in the humble video when motherfuckers had their heads on fire. But what really fucked the game up is the whole motion control uh moment under the freeway uh can you speak to that? Like, how how did how did that how did you come up with that? Because you've always you've always incorporated VFX in CGI, which I'm gonna figure out how that even how that even came about. But specifically for the humble video, that that whole moment, like shit, we just did it. We did a Bud Light commercial trying to recreate that. It was it was a spinoff, but just loving to hear your your insight on how that came about for that moment because that was that was one of those moments people are like fucked up over. <laughs> I I mean. There's not a salacious answer to that. I think it's just the part of being a student of filmmaking. You come across ideas that, um, you, you know, if you look at Humble, it's an experiment for me. So right. it, it's not a narrative. It's a tone. And what it was was an album. I mean, the Heads on Fire was from a video that I didn't do. And, and I, you know, he gives me Humble and I got three days. You know, I take weeks to write treatments. So he gave me three days to turn that one around. And so you immediately grab at things that like you just lost uh, on another, you know, and so I, and, and I just put together a visual deck and sent it to them. And, you know, and then I, you don't know, like I, I almost cut the heads on fire literally 12 hours before we released it. Cause I oh, thought, wow. Wow. wow, wow, you thought wow. what you thought the, what the effect, I thought the effect looked corny, not the scene, the oh. scene wouldn't be there. But the scene so you was did, hard. You weren't happy. You weren't happy with the with the the VFX. Yeah, it looked it looked corny, and and so I was just like told the effects people. I said, you know what, cut it, fuck it, cut it. You know, Kendrick did. I don't think even Kendrick knew what it was going to be until he saw it finished. Um, uh, so I just said, just get rid of it. And um, and then the next morning they're like, we stayed up late and we fixed it. I'm like, oh, well, thank you. And now it looks hot. You know, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's 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 dangerous in videos, especially to do post. Um, I, I've gotten better at learning how to manage it, uh, so that's why there's more posts in some of the videos recently. But 
but um, it's it's just it's always a nerve wracking thing because you know your your credibility is, lies on the line with how well this team that is you know you generally don't spend much time around is like whether they're inspired or not. So you know I think a, a great deal of directing uh, you know for every director I think is about the people you surround yourself with and, and seeking out people that carry enough credibility to make you look good. You know plus, plus having the wherewithal. So on that the long story short. There's a DP who's he's my, he was my producer for many years and he was my college roommate. And uh, when I had this second era and I talked about Kanoko being, you know, like feeling good having Kanoko around, it was also like, let fuck it, let me have my, my producer. He, he stresses every night. He's got this bellyache over music videos. He, he, he doesn't, you know, like he never wanted to do them really. He never wanted to produce. And, and, and I realized, you know, he was always taking pictures and I was like, fuck, you should just deep DP this video. And, um, and my first video was Sierra, Dance Like We're Making Love, and it was with Kanoko, and it was with Scott, and the shit looked banging. <laughs> Next video I have him do is Missy, and the third is Janet. And so, like, his first three videos DP and are mega stars, and he does a really nice job with it. So, anyway, long story short, cut to us doing some terrible couch commercial, uh, and I'm writing for Humble. And, and so we're together in a hotel, and I'm like, look, I just have a feeling, like, there's this heat on Kendrick. Like we gotta just we gotta bring everything that's in our heads. We gotta do it. And so he's like, "Well, I always had this idea that instead of like they shoot it for beer commercials, this fast moving camera, maybe we could." And I was like, "What? I don't know. Okay, what is it called?" And I just I was like, "Boom, let's shoot it." And and so we only spent a half hour shooting that scene because that was the way humble was. It was like a lot of like it was like bowling. Like, oh, let me bowl this one, bowl that one. It's like at least all I need is one to work. Right. And the, you know, and it turned out that more than one worked, and that you know that that taught me a lot about even just trying to make one work that actually a video should be a cohesive, you know, it should, you should try to make everything work, you know? And so that, I, that, that, that was what I learned or that, that's how it came about. And, but it, you know, that's Missy's voice in my head, you know, her, her not wanting to shoot anything that wasn't hot. It was just like a filtration process of, of getting rid of, getting rid of the fluff, if you will, and really trying to center in on what exactly has the chance to be talking about, spoken about. As a director, you get better and better. That, that's yeah. that's the thing. I don't think we realized it when we were young. It felt like this is where I'm at, and this is you know this is my skill level, and this is what it is. Yeah. Right. And even when you looked at everyone else, you're like, okay, this is our skill skill set. But now, as time is going on, you're just seeing everyone get better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and weirdly, like I said, we're we're like at the same high school. We didn't have any classes together, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We saw each other in the hall. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um. It just seeing where you, where you're going, and then even that, like what you're what you're saying about your DP. I have this philosophy now that, it, so long as you're not trying to make me change my mind, the answer is yes. You know what I'm saying? If we're having a conversation about your department, and I'm saying you know the wall should be red, and the art department's like, hey, let's make it glossy. Yes, let's make it yes. You know what I'm saying? And that same thing that you're saying, like, hey. Your DP's like, hey, what about this thing? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, like the, you actually save yourself so much time being open to your team that way and also inspire them to contribute and bring bring things to the table. Yeah. I feel like it's a growth. I don't know. What were you in the early days? Were you welcoming of other input? I, 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 I mean, yes. And well, yes, I've always been. I mean, I'm always have a thirst for knowledge. Um, uh, so when you work with, you know, there was a couple of, you know, Academy Award winners that, you know, you start working with and it's like, Ooh, wow, tell me about this. <laughs> um, or, 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 or people that have credibility or, or, um, or people that have done work that you really loved and you get to work with. And then there's uh, and then there's the people like, um, 
the production designer on Bombs Over Baghdad, I'll never forget like this. I got a call from the gaffer who decided to get up early that day and go down and pre-light the set out of love, not out of overtime or pay or anything. That was the kind of family we were running. And I, I, was, I was so indebted to him for that because he got there and said, the set's not built. I was like, for the shoot in three hours? What are you talking about? <laughs> and, uh, and the production designer turned off his phone uh, in the hotel when, before cell phones and uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't reach him. He's done. And so like you run into people that like almost completely compromise your ability to, to, to move forward. And so like, you know, I think the, uh, you know, videos really do teach you how to survive the, 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 the waves. When There's you talk no better training. There's no better training no for better Murphy's training. Law yeah. than, than music videos. Like, I was going to say, nothing makes me happier than when, or not happier, but more, more confident about what you're saying, except when you're on a commercial and they're like, oh my God, we got to shoot in a week. How are we going to pull it off? I'm like, oh. I'm like we've got this okay. one room we've got to shoot in. And six shots. Six shots in a day. You know, like, yeah, man, we're, we're okay. We're okay. We're okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's what, what, when I think about video directors, I, they don't understand that we're the stronger ones. That's what's really a little crazy to me. You know what I mean? We're like equipped. The, 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 we're equipped for filmmaking. We're equipped completely, completely. I would trust you with such a level of production. They don't understand, because I know, like you said, it's like you've done $200 million movies. You've done the big productions, you've done the effects, you've worked with the egos, you've worked with the, not just the ego in front of the camera, but the ones behind it. You came up in the Diddy era, Damon, Lior, <laughs> like, they don't, they're, they're not, just all the things that come from your music industry side and just the fire that you've had to go through they, like I don't, I don't, I don't need to know, but I know the one day that the truck didn't show up or yeah. got set on fire and the thing collapsed, and you still got to shoot your fucking video. It is what the fuck it is, and yeah. and you move with it, and you just roll with it. And these, uh, it's they, they're not equipped. I, I, I say this a lot. I'd yeah. rather, if I'm picking a director for a TV show or a movie, I'd rather watch three of your videos than anything else you have to bring to the table. You know what I'm saying? Definitely not your commercials. Your TV show, I, anything else, I have to have a conversation. You feel what I'm saying? Like, yeah. okay, who, who on the show did they let you in after your director's cut? And the movie, who, like you're saying with your movie, they called it Hitch. They're fucking around. They're doing, there's so many other people that, but baked into the system, they get to push you out. But I know on your videos, that's you. I know that's your intelligence. I, I know what it is. Yeah, no, I mean, that's why, I mean, that's why I'm doing them again. I've, I've found... Uh, safe space, you know, despite, you know, obviously there's, there's bumps in the road, but I found a safer space to express just that. And, and I think I don't have a chip on my shoulder about Hollywood. I actually, um, I actually understand you know, I don't think they're ignorant. I think that they work the same way we work. So Jay-Z hires me cause I did little Wayne, right? So, so star Wars goes to the guy that did the last or the girl that, or the, whoever that did the last marquee film that blew out. So when, it makes sense to me. There, there's a there's sort of a stepping ladder of accomplishment, um, and I think that it, you know that's why we have the problem is they're sort of they're, they're stuck in their way. And I would imagine there's a young video director that's brilliant that would be like, why is Dave getting that, or why is X getting that? You know, like like that they feel like they got their treatment might have been better than ours. You know, and 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 that I I, I relate to that. You know, because mm. I, I could tell you there's three or four films. That would have that would be night and day different than what they turned out to be when I didn't do them, and then even yeah. further, like you said, the TV show was riddled with egos um, that I won't get into. <laughs> um, the uh, you know, except for Batch, 
Um, and and uh, and then the um, and then the movie had had a similar situation. And and so what happens in those environments is it's not a collaboration; it's a uh, exploitation in in a way. Um, you know, it, yeah, they, they they want you to come in and fuck off, and and um, they want you to just shoot shoot it and make the day, you know. And and yeah, it's like um, I still find pleasure in that. Like like with with Batch, you know, we we really connected as and were able to con- construct his performances around some of the script uh, to be substantial, despite sort of how it read sometimes. The only way really to crack Hollywood, and 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 so I put the burden on me. I don't blame anybody except myself, and and that's to just go do my own shit. Um, well, and, yeah, and that's just a hard proposition, though. It's like you have to. I want to be twenty again, and like, but I'm looking I, forward to it, baby. <laughs> like, like I said, I can see how smart you are from the work you're doing on on all the levels, conceptually as a filmmaker, performances. I mean, the the scene you did with Batch. I think Batch has it on his reel where he's oh, really? pleading. Well, but, but, but he's pleading with him, like, come on, man, and you do this this one. It's a oneer, and the, what you're doing with the camera, and there's an understanding going on. Yeah that I look forward to seeing in something that you can really, where they let you rock. Seeing you grow as an artist, knowing how you're a ninja visually. You you are, got a blindfold on and you're fucking ninja-ing the whole crowd. You're, you're fucking uh, Kill Bill, you know what I'm saying? But to see your stories, I just, I see what's there. I see the potential. I, I'm just excited for it, man. And let them learn because when they do give a shot to the video directors, because you you come from hip hop, so the, there's a bit of what's going on with you is also that it's hip hop that you're coming out of. You feel what I'm saying? Because uh, Fincher, the the guys who really came out of rock and roll, you know what I mean? Where their artists were main, yes, more mainstream. This is what I would tell you, and and it's not a debate. It's just it's sort of like a perspective. I'm curious about. I, I've all yes, Fincher's, Spike Jones, Mark Romano, you know, that was the generation before me, right? And they, and that was, there was an open appetite at the time to what we're saying, why don't people see it? They did see with those guys and they gave them a shot. Fincher's failed Alien 3. It was critically panned, but he had enough weight from it and he went, you know, you know he's still able to put seven together with the people at his company. What, what happened is the doors just slowly started to close because video movies looked like videos, you know, and that's not, that's not a movie experience. Like I, I, you know, it was actually why in the Hitcher, my issue was the story. You know, I I don't hate the way I directed it. Um, I, I, I mean, but I actually purposely tried to hide my video side and really give weight to the emotions. Um, it, it, it just, the problem was that that highlighted the story was derivative and not really relevant culturally. And no one cares about hitchhiking 30 years after everybody stopped. You know, so there was there was cultural problems with that title. Um, and and so what I, you know, I, I, you know, because I, I saw the door open when I went in round one and I was in the room on certain things and only a couple got through. And and uh, and the ones that got through, you know, they have careers, but they don't have the career of Fincher, you know, and and uh, and I, I don't. And so, and, oh, sorry. What my point was that the hip hop era is if you take out hip hop as a word and the era of the 2000s was hip hop. So it's like yeah. it, it moved off of rock. I, rem- I remember when the radio station in high school switched from Footloose to BDP. You know, same. <laughs> you know, it was like it was like the game changed. Much like how YouTube came along, it was just like there was a whole new era. And as that built momentum, it, it got celebrated in the early 2000s on a very large level. And 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 I, I think we made as much noise. But but I I have gotten most of the movie conversations I have in the last few years have come from humble and sicko mode. 
Um, you know, there's a couple that have come from Taylor and, um, and, uh, uh, and I, I ironically got a call from uh, LucasArts from the Harry video. Um, so, oh, wow. Uh, what, uh, you know, and then I got, I didn't make it very far cause what X was talking about, like the, the guy that studied my work on set 10 years ago, got the job that they were calling me for, you know, um, like he actually visited set and I, you know, we had, a, so it was just, it was just funny, but it's just the resume that that guy has hits, hit movies. You know, I got hit videos. He's got hit movies. So they, of course it went to him. Um, and so, uh, but it, what it does reinforce though, is that there's a far reaching, I do believe the doors are open there. Just yeah, I, I, I get it, but like I said, I see it. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I mean, it's it. our game. Yeah, I hear you, but, I, but X, but also keep in mind, though, too, and this is where, this is me speaking from the outside of this conversation, even though I'm inside the conversation, but the point is, it's like, to what Dave is saying, as much as they put their nose up to it, it's also still, this, it's, it's also still the same reason why you're getting the conversation and the meeting, because they can't deny the cultural impact that our work has done that gets their, that garners their attention, right? Like you said, like, yeah, I did sicko mode. I did fucking humble. They have to pay attention, right? Like when we did Superfly, like Joel Silver, th that was off the strength of what we did for Hotline Bling. So it's we it gets us in it gets us in the room, but I just I guess it really comes down to is just finding that movie because it's 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 a it's a thing. It's about finding that movie where how we, we got to figure out how do you find a movie that we could translate or, or or transfer over the skill set that we've gained from the work that we've been doing that speaks to a cinematic film audience. You know, like we're all fans of, of Lucas and Marvel and big fantasy worlds and Star Trek and stuff. And hey, shout out to JJ Abrams and stuff. And he's, he's, he went his route and he just kind of followed the suit of what Spielberg did, but we're coming from a different world and they're gonna always have a certain nose up to us. But I think it's about finding that right project where they could kind of back off. It's the faith of the filmmakers that you're working with. So I'm involved in a TV show now with a brilliant writer uh, who's 24, just out of USC from Nigeria and wrote the most incredible script. And he called me two years ago, uh, right after he wrote it or shortly after and, uh, and, and just wanted me to do it because of Humble. And wow. so then he put me with another person that saw his brilliance uh, uh, that, that was a showrunner, a very successful one that had done uh, Everybody Hates Chris and, uh, and, and created that show. And, and the three of us are now like this power team. And then we just sold it to, you know, when we're moving down the, you know, the, the train, I don't know if it'll ever get shot, but I mean, the faith feels strong there. Like, because when we, when you put the three of us together and you go to in front of these people, they see passion. Right. Right. And, 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 and so I, what I'm getting at is that what, what, what I, what's been hard to replicate in the room over the years is, is an undeniable need to make whatever it is that I'm saying from the people that are buying. And it was actually, there was a, a James Cameron quote that like when you pitch a movie, it has to be so solid that they're afraid the next person's going to buy it. And that's why they buy it. And, uh, or I'm bastardizing the quote, but it was like, and I, that, that sort of makes sense as I'm, I'm looking back and thinking about the doors that were open for me. I kind of came in like a, not a used car salesman, but like I didn't, I wasn't mature enough to understand what, what, how to win that room. Right. And how to, how to package you know, I, I was socially seeing movie stars at the time, you know, like they were, they were around parties and whatnot, but I couldn't take that connection. And I could see that they were fans of the videos. You know, I couldn't manifest that into movie space like that when, when it's because as soon as, you know, they, they don't want to take a risk either. 
like a movie star is like, okay, who did, who did, who got the, they want to win the award, you know, they want to, they want to, or they want to be on a blockbusters. They want to get the check, but, but, uh, but, you know, generally actors want to win the award. So they, uh, which director can get an, a performance out of me that will, will shock everybody. Cause it were the currency of movies is very different than the currency of videos, right? The cultural relevance of a movie is not the visual only. It's also like, for instance, I would argue that Black Panther, part of what it made it stand out. Sure, the visuals are there, but but it, but but what was really making it stand out was the core conflict of the main characters. Like the bad guy was as righteous as the good guy, and they were right. depicting a cultural wrestling match, uh, you know, uh, and then decorated it with with you know an incredible cultural like impact. Or, or you know, like you know, wardrobe and all you know, just all the stuff that they did. What what what, what we do in the videos? They surrounded yeah, they surrounded the artist with the been, with the stuff. If it had just been that, I'm not sure. It might have moved some people, but I don't think it would have been such a. It wouldn't have been as emotional for such a wide audience. And I think it was that core ability to. And I believe that's the writing. You know, and I'm I'm realizing that in the videos now. When you talk about the robot camera, you know, it may be superficial, but like the right the bowling of of like every scene needs to matter, and. I've evolved from humble. Like even now, I I I I I try to make it make sense on a subtextual level, you know, like that there is in fact a journey that I'm going on, even if I'm doing vignettes or like sicko mode or something like that, where it's just every setup under the sun. It's still trying to say something emotionally in my head, you know. Um, previous video I did with Travis was all about narcissism. Uh, stop trying to be God. Uh, the, that one's uh, wild. That one's wild. But I never had a conversation about narcissism with anybody. It was just sort of like learning to mature with me to actually use the videos to express an idea. And, and, and then it works when you're right, you know, like yeah. it was, it was, it, it was so, and then, and when you're off a little bit, yeah, then that, that can hurt, you know? Well, I'm, I'm wondering, but how about now, what's your process? How, how are you studying? How are you with, when it comes to story and performing with actors and things that don't come baked into the music video side of directing that, you know what I'm saying? Like um, you're making music videos. I, if you're consistent, you're out there. I know, you know, the camera, I know, you know how to think on your feet. I know, you know how to push for, you know, fresh new eye. You know what I'm saying? Like you understand hotness, but performance and story are things you got to go. You, you got to put extra work in to start figuring those things out. That's where I begin though. Um, uh, I don't think I ever know what's hot until the world tells me, uh, I, I really, feel, you know, I just have an instinct, you know, and I believe you have an instinct. Yeah. And I think the instinct, I'm sure it comes to play with the, the experience as, as you said earlier, um, you know, just being exposed to things that work and don't work, you get better at it. Um, but I, but I also think or like to believe that, that the, it's the quiet space of really figuring out the puzzle of expression for a particular piece that makes it, you know, I mean, sometimes there's pop, there's popularity and there's critical acclaim. So I've had a long career of popularity that, that I mean, you, there's a difference, you know, actually you've got that, you know, there's hugely popular videos of yours, but then there's hotline bling that is like studied and, and replicated and, 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 and uh, you know, and, and it goes on as a legacy piece, you know? And so there, you know, that's, that's, that's what I am interested in. You know, the popularity, is debatable whether it's the artist in their moment or whatever, you know, and, 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 uh, and so I don't really look at the hit count necessarily all the time. I look at like how it, how it grows the artist. So when I get the track, that's where I begin. I sort of like, uh, you know, in my head, I guess the best way to kind of summarize it is like, I feel like a shoemaker, you know, I start asking myself a question about 
like, all right, you know, are they going to the Met ball? Or are they going to the, you know, where, like what, what, what is their next step? And, uh, and I, I don't have a conversation with them about it. I just try to try to evaluate, you know, and sometimes I step in mud. They're like, I did that before. Oh shit. I got to watch all their videos. Um, but, yeah. but generally it's, it's what, as long as I'm paying attention to who they are and where they're going and where they're trying to reach to, um, which sometimes has nothing to do with the song. Sometimes it's in the song and sometimes it's not, you know, um, sometimes it's about like, this is their moment to be on the main stage. Sometimes it's a moment to just go, go left when, when the world thought they were going to go right. Uh, and sometimes it's just scary because they have a whole legacy of, of amazing videos and you're like, Oh, how am I going to stand out? Like, and you get desperate on, not desperate, but anxious to, to, you know, so, so that's a area one area two goes back to what I was saying about my website. I look at the 10 videos, like if I just did a short movie with Harry, I don't want my next video to be a short movie. You know, like I sort of try now it's sometimes you get help. You can't help because there's a style and, 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 and so I fight against my own instincts but to do that, I have to write a first draft that is my instincts, and then I start deconstruct deconstructing it. Um, there's, there's, there's something to be said for just rocking with your style. Remember when Hype would just take a thing and just run it into the ground? Like, I'm doing an 8 mil lens. and like, That's a Hype thing, and I couldn't do that. You know, like I just... Yeah, exactly. I don't know him. You, you know him better than me, but I don't know what that comes from. Um, and, and it works for him. It, it still works for him. He's still considered, uh, you know, a top name and, and, uh, we all are different. Right. So I have to, I have to rock it my way <laughs> and yeah, I, I have to find my soul with the piece. And, and so, um, sometimes I look at hype's work and I'm like, damn, if I could just show up and roll the camera and make it shiny and, and the artist would be happy. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, <laughs> but I say that in jest because, you know, his career is a lot more than just that. It's just sort of, um, and he brings a lot of like, he has his thing. You have your thing. All directors have yeah. their thing. Um, and, and, and I think it's okay for us all to have certain things we like about peers and yeah. other things that we're like, no, nah, that's not how we would do it. And the more I can say that's not how I would do it, which is not, and I don't say it out loud. That's why I don't want to talk about anybody. Um, but I, I internally understand it. That's my, that's my spirit. That's where I'm like, okay, well, as long as I can actually frame the sentence that I have something to say that's different than how that person would say it or anybody even if I'm upset because they got the job or this or that or whatever, I'm still got my fire. My, my fire is still there. And so I, right. I uh, you know, that's one way of phrasing it. But um, I, 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 the, the general conversation is more looking for what can I impress myself with next, you know, and, and that's just a harder and harder conversation in this last couple of years, you know? So it's, um, it, you know, and, and that's leading to what you were talking about earlier. It leads to why I reach out to post so much. Um, so my answer to being different sometimes, but then I'm, I'm realizing that I now reach out to post a lot. I'm like, maybe I should not reach out to post on a video. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but still, I, I can't help but fall into building worlds. I really love like that shoe analogy I talk about. Like I really love taking an artist and putting them in an immersion that that is truly and ownably me. You know, like I really feel like I can create a world and post that I can dream up with all my thousands of references that I pull and, and I know that nobody else is going to cook because I'm curating at this point. I'm curating what I like about the world. And then I put, I hang it on the hat of whatever video I'm doing next. And that is something that's ownable to me. People can like it or dislike it. Um, but I know, you know, I've always felt like if I'm going to, if I'm going to fail, I want to fail because I tried my hardest. And if I'm going to win, I want to win because I did something, you know, like because of that, not because it was popular. Like it always felt terrible back in the day on MTV when, you know, release a video and they're like and they go to the fans like oh my god i love you know britney or eminem or whatever you know, like, and i'm like hey god they didn't say nothing about the video 
you know, like, and, and, uh, and uh, which is probably the record label problem, you know, is, um, you know, there's, there's sort of a, 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 a unsung quality to the power the videos have because they define the artist, but then people celebrate their, that definition by singing a song or by, mm. by, by, you know, by re- recreating in their own bubble. Uh, that's- but it, 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 we, we're enhancing, like the end of the day, the, it's still the music comes first, right? And it's uh, well, in the same way, exactly. the script comes first, though. Exactly. exactly. You know, directors are the, enhancing scripts, and you, you know, but but I but they get celebrated, <laughs> you know. Right. Exactly. It's a, yeah. The culture is very different, and like I said, we're unsung heroes in, in that in that respect because they just. I mean, it's, you remember when you were young, you didn't. It just took it for granted that the video was great. You know, yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, you're not just the, the culture of how this get made didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, this is amazing. Of course, you know, Brittany or Ariana has done something fucking off the top and she's taking her face off. And of course, you yeah. know, because yeah. that's her. But <laughs> behind those scenes is you, you know, making the magic. We're, we're wizards. If if this was the, if, if this, if, if the music industry was the king's world. court, we're the wizard. We walk in with the robe and we do the magic and then we, you know what I'm saying? They have all their courtiers. They have all that stuff that's going on at, at court. But we come in and give the magic, give them more superpowers. Because even they don't realize you can change artist perception of themselves. You yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. That's actually where I, that's where I stay up late at night is, is you know, a lot of this stuff I'm sharing, I don't have these conversations directly with the artists. It's just my process. And, and, yeah. and when it works, the artist comes back. You know, I've always thought the thank you from an artist is the next video um, mm-hmm. or a future video if they have a variety of people they work with, um, uh, you know, and, because they don't really say thank you. In fact, I think the, uh, the first sort of artist that ever really reached out to say thank you and it just completely shook me was Kendrick. And so, you know, did, and, and, uh, it was weird because I was so, when that video came out, obviously, as you said, you know, it kind of was a rocket ship for me. So I'm sitting here like, God, man, wow. I'm so thankful that Kendrick chose me for this moment. And I didn't have his number. You know, Dave Free was kind of, he kept it, you know, locked away. And so, and I wanted to be okay with that. So I never asked for his number. I just wanted to play their game the way they want to play it. But then Kendrick texted me out the blue and said how much he was thankful for that, the moment I helped him make in his career. And, and it was just, it was just, a it was just, a, it was, it was, you know, it's it, 20 years. It's like, I could count on one hand to thank yeah. you. I heard. And, uh, and so I, I, not that I blame anybody for what the way they are. I, I think it's like you said, where the, where the, 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 where the, it was sort of the, uh, you know, the, 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 in the shadows of the king, the King's court uh, or the Queen's court. And, um, and, and I'm fine with it really. I, you know, I, I, I mean, it's, it's what we do. We we yeah. got a great part though. We come in yeah. with the magic. Yeah. The puff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, 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 I hear that. I hear that. But at the same time, it, it's funny because even for me, just now speaking from the fan voice, like, you know, watching, watching the, the respect that Michael Jackson had for like John Landis is like, that's, that's what I expect. Just, just, just understanding the importance. Like, yes, you are the artist. It's your song. You, you, you know, you're a superstar. But at the same time, they're collaborating with the visionary that's going to help amplify and bring that visual, bring their melody and 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 song to life. So, for me, it's like I can tell you how many times to your point, Dave. Like, it's it's it's. I know we work in a, a thankless business, you know. But hearing hearing the um hearing the fact that Kendrick reached out to you, again, also shows just the fact that he understands the value of what you brought to him as an artist to help elevate his stardom, right? And and it's crazy because time and time again, you and X have continued 
to keep doing this for over 20 plus years, giving these artists that elevation, right? And a lot of times it's like, yeah, well, that's just, just your job. But I'm like, yeah, but at the same time, like I brought your lyric and, and, and your melody to life. I brought it to the, I brought it to the forefront. There's something to say to that. Like people are tuning in for a reason because again, as, as fans of, of, of visual art, they're sitting there and watching their world that they've been listening to over and over and over again in their headphones now play out in this narrative, now play out in this visual display that's now going to give their song a whole new breath. So I just feel it's kind of nuts. But for me now, speaking as fans of both of you guys, I just feel like it's a thing where it's, I'm always appreciative that artists that actually recognize that for a business that's very thankless. So there you have it. That's part one of me and X's conversation with Dave Myers. Part two is also available now for you to check out. In our next episode, Dave takes us behind the scenes of Travis Scott's sicko mode, why he felt the need to venture to photography and mentoring Kanye West. Before I go, I want to recommend a TV series that I love and a lot of people slept on. This incredible series is called Gomorra. It's an Italian crime drama series. It's just mind-blowing, incredible cinema, but in a TV series. It's beautiful. Probably hands down one of the best series I've ever seen in my life. If you liked the episode, feel free to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Architects Pod. Send us a DM and let us know who else you want to hear on the show. Thank you for listening. Architects is created by Fella and produced in partnership with Curious Cast. Our theme music and audio production are by Oso Audio. See you next time. Peace.